0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Explain Like I'm Five, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts. I'm Tim.
1: Hey, everyone. I'm Kevin.
0: So, Kevin, there's been a lot of talk about vaccines in the news lately.
1: Yeah, I know. Vaccines are very important for us.
0: So we're going to talk a little bit about basics of vaccines today, um, as well as some of the more topical and recent questions. Uh, But let's start with why are some vaccines administered in the arm, while others need to be administered in your backside or your stomach?
1: That's true. Um, The really basic answer is that there's different muscles that hold different amounts of medication. So most often, the upper back arm is used for uh, subcutaneous injections as it's easiest to access.
0: Okay. So why do some vaccines last longer than others? Uh, what's the difference, say, with the flu vaccine, which you needed to get every year, mm-hmm. or diphtheria, or measles and mumps and rubella, which last 10 years or even more?
1: Yeah, very fortunate and good question. The, the flu virus, uh, what happens is that it mutates very easily. And so a new vaccine must be formulated each year with our best guess of the strains that, we be, that will be mainly circulating. Uh, that's because the vaccine targets the virus itself. However, things like the diphtheria vaccine or Tdap, it protects against toxoids produced by the diphtheria vaccine bacteria. Uh, Since the toxoids do not change that much, there is no need to update the vaccine. You just get a booster vaccine every few years to re-up your resistance to these toxins. There are also different types of antibodies produced by the body. Some are first responders that are quick to appear in the presence of an infection. Others take a lot longer to appear but confer longer-term immunity. And over time, these antibodies will be less plentiful in the body, which is why, again, you need to get booster shots like the Tdap.
0: So recently we've heard about there, there being different types of vaccines. Can you tell us what the difference is between, say, mm-hmm. an RNA vaccine, which is the, the more modern type, or you know some of the conventional uh, vaccines?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so by conventional, I think you're referring to the most traditional type here. Uh, it uses basically a killed or weakened pathogen or part of it to produce an immune response. You basically give your immune system the task to find a good target on that pathogen so it will remember it for later. And that immune response is generally aimed at specific parts of the pathogen. Uh, There are several reasons for this, including the accessibility of that part on the pathogen and your own genetics.
0: Okay, so within this category, there's also live and inactivated vaccines, right?
1: Yes, yes, yes. One common type of vaccine here is definitely a live vaccine. Uh, this type of vaccine essentially contains a very small amount of a live bacteria or ba- live virus or bacteria. Um, and before the virus, the vaccine is given, scientists weaken the virus or bacteria so it cannot make a person sick. of course. And when a person gets a live vaccine, their immune system learns to recognize and fight off that virus or bacteria. Then, if the person is exposed to the virus or bacteria in the future, their immune system will essentially already know how to fight it off. Uh, Good examples of live vaccines here include vaccines for measles, mumps, and chickenpox. And like you said, the other common type of vaccine is an inactivated vaccine. These vaccines contain essentially dead viruses or bacteria. These do not cause the immune system to react as strongly as live vaccines. And because of this, people may need booster shots, extra doses of vaccine, uh, given at certain times so their immune system can learn how to fight off the the infection. And again, examples of inactivated vaccines here include vaccines for Uh, whooping cough, uh, rabies, and hepatitis B.
0: That's a really important uh, distinction there between the Mm -hmm. the live and and the uh, inactivated ones. Um, Now, why don't we move on to the RNA vaccines, which
1: are uh, more recent? Yeah, yeah, so with with RNA vaccines, uh, only the messenger RNA, the mRNA here, which acts as essentially a blueprint or recipe for the protein, if you think about it that way, is injected into the patient. So the first mRNA vaccine was made in the, uh, in the 1990s, but scientists did not make large numbers of them until the 2010, so very recent. And some mRNA vaccines have even been proven to work against cancer and can make tumors smaller.
0: Interesting. Now, uh, with these types of vaccines, there's a specific uh, COVID application that's being tested uh, right at the time when we're recording the episode, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> at least at the time of this recording, in the case of SARS-CoV-2, Uh, a protein on the outside of the virus is taken since it's both easily seen by our immune system and it's essential for the virus to have. So we choose the target, but instead of isolating it from the pathogen, we produce a a strand of RNA that codes for the target. When we administer this RNA into the human body, it will be taken up by uh, immune cells, which will use the code to make the target protein. And since the target protein is unknown to our body, it will elicit an immune response and we have what we want. Uh, For this to work, it is essential that the target is chosen correctly. So in a normal human immune response against both pathogens, multiple targets are chosen at the same time. Although there are always some more dominant targets that the body would go all in on. And by the way, the RNA vaccine so far has not been tried in humans as far as I know.
0: Interesting. So let's go back to the start and uh, tell us about smallpox and the story of the very first vaccine.
1: Ah, the, the very first vaccine. So I believe it was uh, Edward Jenner who created the first vaccine in the 1770s. Uh, at this time, smallpox was a very deadly disease. And Jenner noticed that people who already had cowpox, which is a disease very related to smallpox, usually did not get smallpox. So he thought that getting cowpox protected people against smallpox. Um, and then as a good scientist to test this idea, uh, Jenner gave a boy cowpox and then he infected the boy with smallpox, the boy did not get sick because he already had cowpox, and Jenner was proven right. Having cowpox did protect people against smallpox. Uh, And because cowpox inoculation made fewer people sick than smallpox inoculation, England essentially made uh, smallpox inoculation illegal in 1840. And In 1853, they made another law that said every child had to be vaccinated against smallpox using uh, Jenner's the Jennifer vaccine.
0: Fascinating. And then in the 19th century, uh, Louis Pasteur then made a rabies vaccine, right?
1: That's right. That's right. And then in the 20th century, scientists created vaccines to protect people against bacteria, uh measles, mumps, and rubella. And then it was Jonas Salk in the 1950s who finally created the polio vaccine.
0: Uh, that was an important one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but despite all this progress, we're still working on vaccines in a number of important areas, right?
1: That's very true. Vaccines still do not exist for many important diseases like malaria and HIV.
0: Okay, so final question, and it's on a lot of people's minds during uh, this sort of COVID period. Why does it take so long to develop a vaccine?
1: Well, simply put, two main reasons. First, safety, of course. Since you've, you're often injecting small amounts of the virus uh, into the human body, and think about it, if you give 1 billion healthy people a vaccine, and even something like 0.1% of people end up with a virus, you've just gotten 1 million people intentionally sick and maybe die.
0: Okay, uh, safety, that's uh, an important first. What's the second, and let's end on this one. <laughs>
1: uh, second is efficacy. So let's imagine we've made a vaccine that at least doesn't kill people. For viral vaccines in general, there's a trade-off between a good immune response, and the safety of the vaccine. This has actually been one of the major stumbling blocks for HIV vaccination. So you need a lot of testing with big numbers, which is why we have an established process for trials.
0: Fascinating. Did you learn something new today? If you did, send us a tweet or send us an email. Uh, We'd love to hear from you if you have suggestions on future episodes. Thank you as always to the wonderful community at r slash explain like I'm five on Reddit. We will see you all next week.